Hello, my name is Jacob Schondel. I am the Webmaster and Media and Technology Committee Chair for Shepherd of the Valley, and you are listening to the ShepherdCast, the weekly podcast from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Sandyville, Ohio. Each week, we bring you our weekly sermon in audio form, as well as our weekly Bible readings. We thank you for joining us for worship, as even though you may not have been able to join us on Sunday morning, we are glad to have you with us through this podcast. Now, if you like what you hear, and you're able, and you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. You can learn more about our worship experience at sotvchurch.com slash worship. In case you're curious what the readings are for this Sunday, or you would like to follow along in your Bible, we will be taking a look at the readings listed in our show notes for today's episode. Also, when we read our readings, those come out of the NRSV translation of the Bible. So, without further ado, here's this week's readings read by our lay reader, followed by the Gospel and Sermon by the Rev. Scott J. Anderson. Good morning. Good morning. Our first lesson this morning is from Isaiah, fifth chapter, verses one through seven. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and the people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down his wall, and it shall be trampled down. I make it a waste, and I shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant plenty. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed. Righteousness, but heard a cry. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 80, verses 7 through 15. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered by its shadow and the towering cedar trees by its boughs. You stretch out its tendrils to the sea and its branches to the river. Why have you broken down its wall so that all who pass by pluck off its grapes? The wild boar of the forest has ravaged it, and the beasts of the field have grazed upon it. Turn now, O God of hosts, look down from heaven. 
Behold and attend this vine. Preserve what your right hand has planted. Second lesson is third chapter of Philippians, uh, verses 4b through 14. Paul writes, If anyone has reason to be confident in their flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that one comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain a resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make my own because of Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this is one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the girl goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We proclaim the gospel acclamation. Hallelujah! In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, entrusting the message of reconcil reconciliation to us. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter, beginning at the 33rd verse. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard 
to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard these parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of our Lord. And let us pray. Gracious God, you call us to repentance. But as you have forgiven us, help us in our lives to forgive others. We ask, dear Lord, that we may be indeed a means of your peace and of your grace. Help us to sow love in our lives. We ask, dear Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit upon me, that I may preach your word truthfully and faithfully. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These past few Sundays have been very difficult uh, passages to preach on, and today's are no exception. They are difficult to hear because they have, in essence, what Luther looked at as law. And there's law in the gospel, and that's been evident uh, in our readings uh, these past few Sundays. The law confronts us of our humanity and our nature to sin. And so if you felt like you were kind of squirming in the seats a little bit, well, you were listening, so that's good. Um, I know it has made me feel uncomfortable uh, these past few weeks. Uh, and so uh, there is a critical reflection and self-evaluation uh, concerning our relationship with God in our life, and that's what is at issue here. Uh, in these passages. And so as we heard from the prophet Isaiah, God wants us to be productive stewards by growing good grapes, not sour grapes or wild grapes, or uh, another translation would be rotten grapes, okay? Uh, and so how do we really treat God in our lives is the questions being asked, especially in our Old Testament lesson and our gospel today. And so um, none of us, I think, are uh, vineyard owners, and so it's hard to relate to it. And so uh, this morning uh, I was inspired uh, to uh, talk about uh, uh, these passages from a different perspective, uh, from that of a football owner. So uh, this is not any specific NFL team, <coughs> Cowboys, um, <laughs> whom the Browns are playing today. So the Browns are by, right now my 
two favorite teams in one. They're the Browns, of course, and then they're the team that's playing the Cowboys today. So uh, that's... Uh, uh, and I just shout out to any of my Dallas relatives uh, listening in through the Shepherd cast. So, let us listen to another parable. A love song concerning an owner with his football team. There once was an owner of a professional football team called the Grape Growers. He wanted the best for his team and from his team. And so the owner sought out the best players, gave them generous contracts with an ethics clause. The players were expected to give back to their community a fraction of their time and salary. In return, the owner built the best practice facility with the latest equipment. There was the finest weight room and indoor practice facility with a fence around it, complete with a guard booth and security system in place. The owner built the newest and best stadium, complete with the snazziest clubhouses, which corporations rented for millions of dollars, and private seat licenses. It had the biggest and most modern scoreboard, the concessions were the best of any stadium, and the owner wanted the absolute best, not only for his players, but for the fans as well. And the owner saw the stadium, the buildings, the team, and everything he created, and he saw that it was very good. And so he went away to tend to other business matters, like his vineyards and wineries that helped make his money. He left his team in the hands of the professionals, the coaches, the staff, even the players. He trusted them to run the team. When the season began, the grape growers were winners. They harvested early wins. They conducted themselves well both on and off the field, and they were sportsmen throughout the game. On days off, they would visit hospitals or make contributions to various charities. They were a shining example for the entire league. But winning becomes addictive. Some players were concerned that they were not winning by big enough margins. Some players felt that the Grape Growers was not a tough enough name for a football team like the Raiders or the Vikings. They felt they needed a tougher image. Soon, they no longer showed sportsmanship or respect to the other team or even the officials. They drew way too many penalties and deliberately looked at ways to take out a star player on the opposing team, especially if the player had a history of concussions or bad knees. They would find a way to knock that player out of the game, uncaring if that player would be permanently hurt just as long as they won. And the coaches liked and encouraged this new tough attitude because they were winning and winning big. As long as they were doing that, they felt that their jobs were secure. However, this new attitude did not escape the attention of the owner, who could no longer point to his team with civic pride. He was shocked and disappointed about this overaggressive behavior, and so he created a new position, team psychiatrist, to eliminate this mean-spirited thinking. But the players liked winning. They felt that they had a winning attitude and did not want anyone messing with their minds. 
So they ignored the psychiatrist, even roughed him up a bit in the locker room when he tried to talk to them. They slashed his tires and did everything they could to discourage him from coming back. And the coaches encouraged them. Soon the players felt invincible. They carried their aggressive behavior off the field. Some players beat their wives or their girlfriends or their children. Some used banned substances to enhance their performance for fun. And they found ways to hide it. Some turned their game celebrations into ballroom fights. Legal problems were dismissed quickly and quietly. After all, the players and the team had the money for the best lawyers, and even if that didn't work, for bribes. They also took advantage of their situation. You see, the community, too, was obsessed with winning. What judge in his or her right mind would want to be responsible for removing a star player on the team and have the whole community against him or her? Even those players who did not break the law became so obsessed with winning that they forgot family and friends by spending time for extra practice and watching game film. So, the owner decided that one man was not enough. The more people were needed to turn his team around in the right direction that he wanted to see. Since the coaches had encouraged this behavior, the owner fired all of them and hired a new coaching staff so that the owner's intentions would be carried out. Maybe the players would take notice of the change. But the players ignored them too. After all, the players made much more money than any coach. They thought, who are these coaches to tell us how to act on and off the field? The players ignored the new coaching staff because no one, nothing, was going to get in their way to go to the Super Bowl. Still, the owner did not give up. He sent his son to the players. After all, his son had been with the team, was active in the business operations of the team, had observed the team and practices, and signed the players' paychecks. Certainly, the owner thought, they will respect and listen to the son. But the players were afraid of the changes that the son insisted needed to be made. They did not want change nor did they want to be traded or released since they were so close to making the playoffs and having home field throughout. Now, the players had learned that they could get away with almost anything, drugs, drunkenness, abuse. So it was not surprising that they thought that they could get away with murder. They framed the son for a crime that he did not commit, even bribed two people to be witnesses in the trial, although it was hard to find two people to remember the same story. They hauled the son off to the state pen where the warden looked the other way when the guards were with the prisoners. The son was beaten and then executed with lethal ejection like a common criminal from the death penalty. 
You see, it was all done nice and legal. The players thought the Super Bowl was theirs. Nothing will get in their way now. However, in our parable today, Jesus asks a question, and that question would sound like this in our parable. When the owner of the football team comes, what will he do with those players on his team? The people answered the question. We probably would answer that question this way. The owner will get his lawyers and private investigators and have the players arrested and put on trial for breach of contract, conspiracy, and murder. And he will hire other players to represent his team in the playoffs. If you haven't squirmed in your seat now, (laughs) it is time. But remember something very important about this parable. This is a love song. It may not feel like it at first, but we need to remember the depth of love and grace that God has for us. The parable is about how Jesus died on a cross. This parable is about God's grace, that we don't get what we deserve, that is punishment for our sins, but instead we receive what we desperately need, God's grace. The tenants in Jesus' parable, based on Isaiah's prophecy, were so obsessed with the possession of the vineyard that they were blinded by the owner's goodness, mercy, patience, generosity, and grace. The players on the grape growers who were obsessed with winning were also blinded to those same characteristics of their owner. We, too, have become blinded with our obsessions and with our stresses that we too lose sight of the grace of God. Like the psalmist this morning, we need to recognize that God is the owner of our lives. We need the prayer of forgiveness so that God will restore us to his mercy and calling us to share that same grace. Today, let us hear the call of repentance this morning found in Jesus' parable and the words from the prophet Isaiah. And not only hear it, but act upon it. Let us change the direction in our lives that leads to obsession and ruin, that blind us to the name of God. Let us replace whatever is number one in our lives and replace it with God. As we receive God's grace in our lives, let us share that same grace with others when we leave this building. And all of God's children said, Amen. You have just heard a very special sermon from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church. We thank you for listening to the Shepherd Cast this week. If you like what you heard, and you are able and you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we would like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays. 
Our services are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. You can learn more about the worship environment at our church by visiting sotvchurch.com worship. While you are there, you will also see the precautions which we are taking on account of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to worship safely. As I say every week, we are a church in service. If you wish to support this podcast, we hope you will support us by supporting our church's ministry. For more information on how you can do that, please visit sotvchurch.com support. Of course, you can keep up with us online at our church website, sotvchurch.com, and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SOTV Sandyville. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Shepherd Cast, so please tune in then. Until then, we thank you for listening, and God bless.